and welcome to Flash Forward. I'm Rose and I'm your host. Flash Forward is a show about the future. Every episode we take on a specific possible or not so possible future scenario. We always start with a little field trip to the future to check out what's going on and then we teleport back to today to talk to experts about how that world we heard might really go down. Before we go to the future this week, I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I really love and I think that you all will like as well. It's called Imaginary Worlds, and it's a show about how sci-fi and fantasy worlds are created and why we suspend our disbelief. Some of the episodes have been about things like how the residents of the real towns where Twin Peaks was filmed feel about the show and how the show gave their community a strange new identity. Whether the Death Star was too big to fail and blowing it up would have plunged the galaxy into economic chaos. And which is more believable in fantasy films, computer-generated characters or Jim Henson-style puppets? Host Eric Malinsky talks with filmmakers, comic book artists, novelists, video game designers, LARPers, cosplayers, and on rare occasions, a pair of vampires, Captain Hook, and even the brain of H.P. Lovecraft. You can download Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts, or go to imaginaryworldspodcast.org. Okay, let's go to our imaginary future world. This time, we're starting in the year 2020. Object. Solutions. Welcome to a world of problems. Solved. Finding a compatible partner is a task like no other. The first date dinner table is loaded with a lifetime of romantic pressures. Will your expectant family members be satisfied by the stranger that sits before you? Will your own reality live up to your television fantasies? You and your date split an appetizer amidst the torments of mutual scrutiny and speculation. What if there were no expectation to be so vigilant, engaged, or even awake? What if instead your success as a couple were determined by manipulated brainwaves, guided by the invisible hand of big data? The Neuraline brings this methodology into the often inefficient realm of courtship. The system orchestrates your romantic success while the two of you sleep soundly at the first date dinner table. Served on a silver platter, the Neuraline's central module and electrode cables are reminiscent of a vibrant appetizer. Once you drift off, our laboratorians entangle both your brains in a collective neural network and choreograph a controlled experiment of your connective potential. Gentle probes send electrical impulses through your nervous systems to fabricate your actual experiences together. The Neuraline runs the gamut of evocative variables to find your most efficient path to love, testing trillions of days in the park, intimate times in every bedroom of the world, unbelievable gains and losses. The system takes diligent notes on how your brains react. If the Neuraline detects a deal-breaker, it decides to truncate the doomed relationship leaving a package of tasteful memories and installing hormonal barriers that block future attraction. When you disconnect, you can shake hands and simply walk away. If your merger is approved, the Neuraline encodes a compelling neural narrative using your most successful plot points from the test. It triggers irresistible chemical releases and forges indisputable memories that will follow you for a lifetime together. When you wake, your first date is actually your 30th, so bring on the main course. The Neuraline fast-forwards through the insecurities of early love. Your nervous systems are now calibrated to reflect your compatibility. Distilled to its neural essence, the first date becomes an algorithmic dance of romantic possibility in a fraction of the standard time.
Okay, so in this episode, we're traveling to a future where you find potential romantic partners using a machine that reads your brainwaves. So you and a potential partner would sit down and you would each put on a headset and the app would tell you if you're a match based on what's going on in your brains. And if you are a match, it then goes on to implant memories into your brain so that you get past all of the messy, awkward, early date stuff and into the fully romantic relationship that will ostensibly last forever. This future actually comes from the person whose voice you heard in the intro. He is one of the two people behind a design fiction project called Object Solutions. I'm Ernesto D. Morales. I'm the chief executive officer and chief laboratorian of Object Solutions. And in real life, I'm an artist and designer running my own design practice, Studio Malagon. The other half of Object Solutions is Shelley Ronan. I'm Shelley Ronan, and I'm the chief scientific officer of Object Solutions. But in real life, I'm a doctoral candidate of sociology at New York University. Shelley and I met while working on a real pitch for innovative scent technologies at a product development company. <laughs> and it was the future of fragrances, just to, to be clear. <laughs> and, and so it was a natural transition for us to now work on creating these sleek presentations for Object Solutions as a corporation. Um, I have a background in marketing and design. Um, and so for me, I, I bring those skills to the project and create these sales pitches, advertisements, this corporate jargon. Together, Shelley and Ernesto imagine and design fictitious future devices like the Neuraline. And they even do presentations in character. Here is how Shelley presents object solutions in her role as the chief scientific officer. My name is Shelley Ronan, and I'm the chief scientific officer of Object Solutions. The Love Optimized series is just one of several of our exciting endeavors, but this one is really unique in that it tackles some of the oldest and most intimate problems. You'll see that our laboratorians have worked very hard to offer a handful of truly unique products that navigate the challenges of romance, sex, and love. We branded this line Love Optimized to express our intention in maximizing the efficiency of this age-old aspect of human existence. That is, our irrational capacity to feel, to seek closeness with others, and to indulge in desire. And we want nothing to get in the way. But our series name expresses something else as well. It captures the truly private encounter we intend you as users to have with love. The series title, Love Optimized, reads as the end of a letter, the end of a tender note from a sweetheart. Your sweetheart speaks through our series, permitting the very closest of rendezvous with them. Given this, our role as inventors, as manufacturers, as agents of the outside world falls away from your intact experience of love. As you familiarize yourself with our products, you'll see that our guiding principles are made manifest. At Object Solutions, we make specialized inventions for everyday life. We delve into the particulars of everyday life. Consider everyday life right now. Each of you lives in a world awash with stimulation, challenges, constant choices. Life is harrowing, and science has shown that the excess of choice is tyrannical. From the mundane to the transcendent, 
we are faced with choices and challenges that bring up everyday points of friction. These frictions are the perfect points of entry for us to do our work at Object Solutions. Focusing on these obstacles, our laboratorians develop mediations to smooth out the frictions of existence. Whether the problem is how to mitigate the dangers of food hygiene or how to maximize rest in a world so populated with reasons to stay awake, we at Object Solutions are here to help. But we see our work as doing more than just helping with challenges of today's world. We are poised on the threshold of the future. Our longer term vision is to turn life into a delicate choreography of specialized inventions. Object Solutions is the logical destination for our current socio-technical trajectories. Taking the approach of incremental problem solving, we will eventually create a seamless patchwork of object solutions that will reimagine life in its totality. This is more than a mere feat of design and consumption. This will truly be a courageous new world. It's a world of problems solved. The Neuraline is one of several objects that Shelley and Ernesto have dreamed up surrounding love. There are also tiny drones that follow your hand around and illuminate your ring finger. And there's an app that you train so that your partner knows exactly how to please you. I think that they are all really delightful. But for today, we're going to focus on the Neuraline, which we're going to consider in two parts. First, using brainwaves to match with a partner. And second, implanting memories of that partner. The first part, using brainwaves to match you with a possible significant other, is actually not all that far out. And there's actually a neuroscientist who has built something like this. Um, I am Susanna Dicker, and I am a research scientist at uh, the NYU Department of Psychology and Utrecht University. And I also um, build interactive art installations in collaboration with Matthias Osterich, an interactive video artist. Suzanne started her project because she wondered what it actually meant when people said they were on the same wavelength. Does that mean that our brainwaves are actually in sync? The question of whether if we feel like we're on the same wavelength with another person or we click with this person um, also leads to maybe synchronized brain activity between people. And if that um, level of brain activity synchronization can actually predict things or relates to things uh, with respect to how engaged we are with each other and how um, much we maybe how our relationship is crafted. To find out, she built a pair of headsets that two people could put on and see how their brainwaves matched up. The headsets use a system called EEG, short for electroencephalogram. Okay, so EEG, well, your brain communicates, uh, well, there's neurons in your brain, right? Um, and lots of them, about 80 billion, and they communicate with each other. They send signals to each other, information, and to the rest of your body um, uh, using chemicals, and that's accompanied by electrical pulses. Um, the uh, headsets that we use have 14 electrodes, and those electrodes um, you can see sort of as, as like, microphones that are trying to listen into what's going on inside your brain and they're trying to listen to those brain waves that we know are somehow associated with the way that we perceive the world. So two people put on these caps and the caps measure electrical pulses coming from their brains. And if those pulses match up, you can say you're in sync. Synchrony is like kind of an umbrella term for a lot of different 
me, uh, ways of looking at, uh, at brain data, both at like very, you know, is your, do your brain waves look the same at like a millisecond time scale, or do you generally show, you know, are you gem- generally in the same state of mind right now? Like, are we both paying attention or are we both emotionally, you know, moved by what we're looking at? Um, that is also synch- a meaningful way of synchrony, but we're looking more at, you know, the time scale, like do our rhythms of our brains adapt to each other as a function of how much we like each other or how uh, engaged we are with each other. This is a pretty crude measurement. The caps can't tell you what you're thinking or what you like or your deepest, darkest thoughts. And just because two brains are putting out similar electrical pulses doesn't really mean that those two people who possess those brains are destined to be in love forever. But Suzanne's work does show that people who know each other better are more likely to be in sync. Um, We uh, find that there is a correlation um, between people's relationship and especially how uh, people's perceived nature of the relationship, how close they feel to each other. So more that than like how long they've known each other predicts how in sync their brain waves are, how similar the shape of their brain activity is. Suzanne has used these EEG headsets in all kinds of settings, from measuring how in sync students are to measuring how in sync the artist Marina Abramovich is with the people who sit across from her. She's also built this big installation called the Mutual Wave Machine. Two people go uh, inside it, they sit opposite each other, and they're um, in a dome-like environment. So there's two, they're kind of in a, in a round space. Um, and then um, they're, they're surrounded by this audio, audio-visual reflection of their brainwave synchrony. Um, when they see no light, there's no synchrony, and this is usually in a very dark space, so you are in like a dark environment. And then when there's more synchrony, the light expands. There's these light patterns that kind of, you know, reach out to each other uh, from behind the, particip- the two participants. Kind of, and it kind of, this kind of alludes to how you can sometimes feel infinitely more lonely when you're in the presence of somebody, and but you're trying to connect and it's not working, you know? Um, that's the darkness, and then how exhilarated you can feel when that attempt of, of connecting is successful, like with the light expanding to each other. And then the light patterns also reach into each other, filling the entire space. So that really uh, kind of refers to, you know, if you feel connected to somebody, it feels like you are together um, more than the sum of the two of you, or less or whatever, different. All that said... Suzanne doesn't think that you should use her EEG caps as an actual test for compatibility. Compatible is a very diff. I, I think it's a little um, dangerous, I guess, to frame it that way. But um, in terms of you know measuring compatibility, we can't turn this around. Like this is a an inference that you can't re- reverse, right? So to explain, you have this scatter plot with lots of dots on and there is you can draw a line through it and there might be like a positive relationship and that might be a significant statistically significant positive relationship between relation between relationships sorry between how connected you feel and how uh how in sync your brain waves are but if you take any given dot it might not lie exactly on that line right so it may be the case that um you and i are perfectly follow, you know, we're, uh, we are, you know, we like each other a lot and we're really perfectly in sync and that all matches, but there might be some other people who for the 10 minutes that we measure them, they might really like each other and not be so in sync in the, on their brain level. 
Now, I don't often make predictions on this show, but I wouldn't be all that surprised if we saw a brainwave decoding app out there at some point. It just seems like a natural evolution of our current obsession with biometrics, data, and efficiency. In fact, there is a guy named Dal Ellington who at one point was trying to make an app just like this happen. It was called Biometric Dating. I couldn't get in touch with him to ask him about it, and the website for the project no longer seems to be active, but it did get covered by a couple of tech websites in 2015. But what about the second part of Neuroline, the memory implant stuff? Well, that is a lot harder to do, but it's not impossible. But we're going to leave that one for now because in a couple of episodes, you're going to hear a whole lot more about false memories and memory implants. So stay tuned for that. When we come back, we'll talk about what actually using this app might be like, how it might change dating, and who might reject this kind of matchmaking. But first, a word from our sponsors. One of the reasons that I love the work that Shelley and Ernesto do at Object Solutions is that they use this kind of dark product design humor to highlight how our quest for efficiency butts up against being human. Like what's so great about the Neuraline is that when you actually think of think about what it does, the service that it offers, it basically takes out all of the all of dating. The sort of pitch text says like you can if it if a good fit is detected by the system, you can just wake up and proceed as if the you know this date was your tenth. Who wants to do that? Is isn't the best bit isn't the best bit like standing nervously on a first date and like figuring out that you like the way this person you know sits or or eats their food and like noticing all of the things that are like marvelous and completely inefficient don't get you any faster to some sort of destination like isn't that the joy of of love so yeah I think it's great to push on that idea of importing this kind of economization of of the relationship to the point that any substance or joy is just completely evacuated it's it's great (laughs) that's the tension and the comedy that we love to play with without with uh, love optimized is that computers and and objects can never really understand humanity because humans themselves can't really understand love um, and humans are the ones that are creating these inventions and this technology. Love is such a complex emotional experience that lasts hopefully for decades that, and brings many complex troubles along the way. I want to take this opportunity to footnote just how clearly it is displayed right now that Ernesto is a romantic. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and I don't know if you can see Rose, but Ernesto's wedding pictures are behind him. They're absolutely beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's actually my, my grandparents, my paternal grandparents, <laughs> and then my wife and I just mimicked their photograph. <laughs> I love playing with that uh, just the tension between the complexity of love and the way that you can never quite pin down a relationship. Uh, You can never make it any more efficient. Yeah, it's true. It's like, isn't the inefficiency, isn't that the fun part? (laughs) That's the kind of thing that's easy to say when you're married or partnered up in some way. 
No, I remember saying that to friends when I was when I was in my last serious relationship. I'd be like, you're going through the awkward stages. It's the fun part. <laughs> you don't know what to say. And it hurts when he walks away. Like, savor this. And it, it's only good in your memory. It's never good in the moment. <laughs> Andrea Salenzi is the host of a great podcast called YOY, which is all about dating, love, technology, and being a human. I feel like an old person being like, I have to call my cool friend, Andrea, who knows about dating, <laughs> like ask her questions about this. How many dating apps do you think you've tried at this point? I'm on at least 10 right now, and I'm actively using at least six. It feels like too many. But no, it's they're all it's all the same guys. Ernesto and Shelly are using the Neuraline to poke at the ways that efficiency and love are at odds with one another. But Andrea is looking for love, and she would be totally down with a product that would help her do it more efficiently. But is efficiency, like, the goal here? I guess that's my question. Yes. (laughs) Why? Is efficiency the goal? Of course it is, because I'm on a timeline. (laughs) Because I don't don't have someone to share the 4th of July with. Yes, efficiency is a big deal right now. (laughs) I mean, there's different kinds of dating experiences. They're, they're the people who found their person kind of early on. And then there's someone like me who has spent basically a decade shopping, right? And it feels like a decade of having these um, meaningful relationships and a lot of fun times. But now I find myself at 32 years old. I'm not looking to – I don't want to shop anymore. Like I'm looking to share my life with someone. I have a very rich fulfilling, satisfying life. I love spending time with my dog. I love working. I love my office. Like I would like to spend time doing basically anything but dating, but I also am really ready to fall in love and share my life with someone. So I uh, I need a lot of efficiency. Online dating burnout is a real phenomenon that a lot of women experience, which is why The Bachelor has any success at all and why women from around the country are still auditioning to be on a show that is obviously not about love and marriage. I am not meeting people in real life anymore. I'm at the stage in my, you know, relationships and career that I just want to spend time with people who I really care about and spend my time improving my career. And I don't want to be at a beer garden on a Thursday night with a total stranger whose shirt's a little too unbuttoned. It's not my dream. After all this time spent searching for her person, Andrea says that there's something appealing about just being handed someone based on brainwaves. What kind of guy does a Neuraline machine? Someone who's really ready, <laughs> right? Just like, get, let's get this over with. Yeah, because even if the machine is deeply flawed, you're going to have this printout when you're done that says, we found your person. Go go share a life together. And there's something, um, no one ever gives you that kind of clarity in your dating life that, that this is the best person for you. No one will ever be able to tell you that. And I think there's so much... Um, questioning that happens at every step of dating, questioning as you try to negotiate your way out of going on the date in the first place, questioning after the date, do I want to kiss him? Questioning before the second date, like, is this the right guy for me? Like, and all the things you have to overlook or decide to compromise about. If you were just like, this is it. I don't have to ask these questions anymore. What a blessing. <laughs> so anyone who's willing to kind of take in that information um, is is ready for a commitment. So I think it's it could be good for people who aren't just looking to to date around. It's it's for that person who wants the um, arranged marriage bot. I think Andrea's arranged marriage bot analogy is actually really interesting because it also raises the issue of choice. 
Did you actually choose the person that Neuraline matched you with and then implanted memories of? Or did a company choose that for you? At least with the online dating that we have now, you're picking and choosing. You're swiping, you're messaging, and you're deciding whether to meet someone. With Neuraline, if they detect a match, they just go for it. And when you come out of that Neuraline experience with all of those memories implanted, is there any going back from that? Anytime you start to have a problem, you would have to remember, like, well, this I can't be having a problem because it told me that I wouldn't be having problems. <laughs> <laughs> it must be you. Yeah, yeah. You'd almost talk yourself out of it. You'd be like, well, I think I should probably end things over this reason. But he's the most compatible person with me on the entire planet, according to my brainwaves. So we should just stay in it. <laughs> so it's either like this or you're alone forever. <laughs> yeah, it gives you a reason to, to work through things because you'll be like, science told me there's no one better. So I guess I just have to get over this because <laughs> there's no one else. Obviously, these brainwave machines can't really tell you who you're compatible with. Having similar electrical pulses in your brain doesn't really mean anything. But how much does any of the data that we're feeding dating apps actually help them match us with someone who we're really compatible with? Also, the the machine doesn't really understand. Like, I don't think anyone's defined compatibility yet. Right. (laughs) So like if the brain if it said, oh, your brains are both awake in the morning more than the average members of the population, does that actually make for a better match? I think a night person could love a morning person. I think someone who's I think your brain should probably work differently. Um, in order to be a really effective team in this thing called life. So I I think this all the time with online dating because people are always like, I love IPA brews. Okay, cool. If I am more of a pale ale girl, can we not share 30 years in a life together? So I think we keep holding on to these really random things to determine compatibility. But I, no one's really stopped to explain to me what compatibility is. Like, people talk about it really abstractly. They're like, oh, it's the spark. You feel the spark. It's something physical. He felt like home. It was like we always knew each other. Um, so I, I, I hear, I cling to every time someone describes what compatibility is, but I don't think anyone has that down to a science. Even Suzanne, the scientist who makes EEG brainwave installations, agrees. I was single pre-Tinder, actually, so I was on OkCupid, and the first, I filled out some of the questions and where I worked, etc., and then my first date was with uh, a neuroscientist who worked around the corner from me, Um, and then I undid all of the questions because I don't necessarily, I wasn't necessarily interested in dating somebody who matched me so well in terms of our mutual interests. And I kind of, I totally understand why, you know, some people might or why uh, OkCupid might match me with this person. Um, But in the end, it's also, you know, it's personal preference. And in the end, it's also, it's really matching face-to-face interaction. So we know that Andrea would try at least the brainwave matchmaking part of the Neuraline. But what about our other guests? Suzanne might develop these kinds of things, but she says that she wouldn't actually use one for picking possible dates. Personally, I'm not much of a... a, a, I I don't think I'm a... I'm a tech person, which sounds really weird because I, dev- I I work with it, I guess, but I'm not too drawn to those kinds of, you know, um, sort of gimmicky things. If if I was single, I would try it because I think that as a, you know, well, I guess 
it actually maybe is a little too scary to try it, but it it feels it feels like an exciting experience with with someone that you know whether it works or not you would have this fun thing that you did together but if it does work then it is kind of too scary to imagine because you've like fast forwarded in these emotions like three months into the future and you you wake up and it's only three minutes later <laughs> so you suddenly have to adapt your present life with now your newfound like comfortable partner that's sitting in front of you that you just met <laughs> yeah I don't think I would do it <laughs> Which is one of the reasons why it's so fun to try to sell it, you know, because we really have to like suspend our own disbelief and like dive into this really uncanny world, you know, of the of, of the fiction. Something go with something that is is at once both so logical and yet so ludicrous. People will try to sell you anything that they can try. There are no limits to what people will try to sell you when it comes to online dating. Because what an amazing snake oil, right? To sell love. I'll buy it. That's all for this future. Flash Forward is produced by me, Rose Eveleth. If you liked what you heard from Shelley and Ernesto about Object Solutions, you can learn more at objectsolutions.net. And they are launching a Patreon page to help support more fun, cool, weird projects, which you can find at patreon.com slash objectsolutions. You can find more about Suzanne's project at suzannedicker.net. That's spelled S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-D-I-K-K-E-R.net. And you can listen to Andrea's podcast, Y-O-Y, on whatever podcasting app you are using to listen to this show right now. I also have a personal plug to add to the end of this episode. My full-time job at ESPN is making podcasts, and our podcast just launched. 30 for 30 podcasts are sports documentaries. They're great stories. Even if you don't like sports, please check them out. I promise you don't need to know any rules to any games to enjoy them. And it's something I've been working really hard on uh, for the past six months. So 30 for 30 podcasts in your podcasting app. You can find them. um, And I hope you check them out and enjoy them. The intro music to Flash Forward is by Asura, and the outro music is by Hussalonia. The episode art is by Matt Lubchansky. If you want to suggest a future that we should take on, send us a note on Twitter, Facebook, or by email at info at flashforwardpod.com. I love hearing your ideas, and I try to respond to every email. It just sometimes takes me a little while. And if you think you've spotted one of the little references that I've hidden in this episode, email me there too. If you're right, I will send you something cool. And if you want to support the show, there are a few ways that you can do that. We have a Patreon page where you can donate. But if that's not in the cards for you, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a nice review. Or just tell your friends about the show. That really does help. Okay, that's all for this future. Come back next time and we'll travel to a new one.